When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN2, ESPN, you and the ESPN app. She is Michelle Smallman. He is freeway today. I got the beard to... Beard to kind yeah. of go along that line. So, hey, CC, here we go. Chris Canty. Super Bowl champ. Hello. Me, Evan Cohen. We are on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Wow. What? Everything we thought was going to happen kind of happened last <laughs> night, right? Like, we actually know what we're talking about for one game. Our picks for the other games may not be as good. But the Eagles last night beat the Minnesota Vikings 34-28. That Eagles offense still a little clunky. Uh, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts kind of getting into it on the sidelines. DeAndre Swift, well, he was in the zone last night, and you can get in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He was awesome. The running back for the Eagles. 28 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. But A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts going back and forth. Kirk Cousins played well numerically. Four touchdowns, 364 yards. But you can't turn the ball over as much as Minnesota did. They have been out. Um, turnover, so to speak. They're losing the turnover battle 7-1 in their first two weeks, and they've lost two games by a combined nine points. Losing close games this year, CC, winning them last year. Absolutely, and the turnovers was the story of last night's game, but here's the surprise for me. At home, the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, had a plus-three turnover margin and only won by six points. You only won by six points. Now, I know it's not style points, so to speak, in the National Football League, and you take your wins where you can get them, But that just speaks to the sloppy football that we saw from that team. Three turnovers by the Minnesota Vikings in the first half, and two of those turnovers were in plus territory. The Philadelphia Eagles have to find ways to capitalize on the opportunities that opposing teams give them. I thought they did a much better job of that last year as opposed to what we saw last night and what we saw up in Foxborough in week one. So that's one of the things that I'm watching with a critical eye, and you could clearly see that there is a difference when it comes to the play calling on the offensive side of the ball with Brian Johnson as opposed to what we saw last year with Shane Steichen. They are still trying to find their way when it comes to forging an identity and what they want to be. But I thought their best offense last night was going away with all of the quarterback zone read trickery and just going with inside zone with DeAndre Swift. And you saw DeAndre Swift with his athleticism, his agility, when the middle was clogged up, he would find ways to bounce it to the outside. But that guy was heating up, and they just kept feeding him the rock. And I thought that was when Philadelphia started to take control of the game. That was the moment when they decided we're going to pound the Minnesota Vikings front seven with our big physical offensive line and with our run game. Now, with that being said, I thought the biggest turning point in the game for both teams was when Justin Jefferson, late in the first half, had that opportunity, had that catch, tried to lean over into the end zone, and ends up fumbling the ball out of bounds. Touchback, Philadelphia gets the ball going the other way. I thought that was the biggest turning point in the game. 
and it highlights one of the most ridiculous rules in the National Football League, maybe one of the most ridiculous rules in all the sports, because that was a 10-point swing. When Philly got the ball back, they end up kicking a field goal before halftime. So it goes from a situation where the Vikings could go up 14-10 to 10 to being down 13-7 to 7 at the half. To me, that was the biggest turning point in that game last night. Yeah, the Vikings, their own worst enemy. You mentioned the three fumbles in the first half alone and that Justin Jefferson drop as well. The Vikings, the first NFL team since 2003 to lose six fumbles in the first two games of the season. And even with those turnovers, they were able to claw their way back. They made it a one-score game, but... So far, the identity for the Vikings is last year they were able to pull out those close games. It seems like the carriage has turned into a pumpkin. I said that on Monday, yep. and it's and it's reinforced this morning after mm-hmm. watching that game last night. They're, this is not the same team that we saw last year that's going to be able to capture that So magic. the bloom is off the rose for the Minnesota Vikings. I yeah. think so. <laughs> well, I think so. But it was almost obvious because I don't know how you can win close games like they did last year. Two years in a row. It's actually ridiculous they did it as many times they did last year. Mm-hmm. They had an inordinate amount of close wins. Remember they came back, the Jeff Saturday coach uh, uh, Colts at that time? They were down 33 nothing. They had the greatest comeback in NFL history in the regular season. But, CC, you said everything right except for one thing in my mind. You said one of the worst rules. This is the worst <laughs> this rule. Is the <laughs> this is the worst rule. Let me be clear on this because I have been salivating waiting to talk about this. This is utterly ridiculous. If you have the ball and you're going into the end zone and you're providing max effort and you're Justin Jefferson in this specific case and you fumble out of the end zone on offense, the fact that the other team gets the ball without possession is the dumbest rule in sports. I'm talking about on field, on court, on ice. I'm talking about the X's and O's of sports here. It is the dumbest rule. So I'm presenting a problem, right? Let me present you a solution. If you fumble the ball out of the end zone on offense and you're inside the 20-yard line, you revert back, and it's an offensive touchback, and you get the ball at the 20-yard line or 25-yard line, however you want to do it. The plus 20 or the minus 20? So if I have the ball, if I'm, in this case, Minnesota, and I have the ball, let's say, on the 10 and the Eagles' 10-yard line, and I'm going into the end zone, and I fumble it, I now have the next down, and it's the ball on the 20 or 25-yard line, wherever you want to put it. Now... If I have it outside of there, meaning if I'm on the 30-yard line and I'm going into the end zone, it is basically an incompletion. I get the ball back where I had it in the first place the line of scrimmage. There is a problem. There is a solution. It's not that hard to figure out. For whatever reason, the NFL has decided that if you're going in to score a touchdown and you fumble the ball out of bounds, that for whatever crazy reason, the other team gets the ball <laughs> without ever having possession. It makes absolutely no sense, and you cannot find a rule in the NFL or any other sport that is dumber than this rule. No, it doesn't make any sense at all, and clearly that was the inflection point for both teams in that game mm-hmm. last night. Now, if you're Justin Jefferson, ball security, once you get in that area, has to be at a premium, and right. I'm sure that that's something that he's looking at today and saying, I've got to be better in that regard. You even saw him on the sideline pointing on his chest saying, that's on me, guys, because he recognized how big of a moment that is. But you're going up against the reigning defending NFC champs. Your margin for error is razor thin. And last night, the Minnesota Vikings didn't play like it. Their ball security was absolutely awful. Now, to the Eagles' credit, you heard Darius Slay postgame say, we practice attacking the football more than anybody else in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. And so we expect to be able to get those turnovers. A big part of being able to have success in this league is being able to have a plus turnover differential, and the Philadelphia Eagles are off to a great start with what they've been able to do through the first two weeks. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to make you a coach, Chris. What's up? 
Would you instruct your players that when they're close to the goal line, they are never allowed to extend their arms to go over the goal line? Because we're penal. I don't like penalizing effort for success. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is close enough to the goal line, and he's giving every ounce of effort, and he gets penalized for that effort. And I don't like. I mean, I can't look at it and say that's dumb. Although some people may say that's dumb. Just go out of bounds. He's just. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. make sense. They should just rule that an incompletion. We're watching the replay on two and you. If you're watching with us along on the television side or the ESPN app, and he fumbles the ball and he's trying to make an effort, it goes out of bounds. Initially, they did not rule it out of the end zone. They reviewed it. You knew where they were going with that. But if you were a coach, would you tell your players don't do that? Yeah, I probably would. I probably would, and especially in that situation with Justin Jefferson because it's not like you don't have another opportunity. That was second down. That was second down. So you had another opportunity if your team needed it in order to try to get the ball in the end zone. The fact that you're making that play right there, I don't know that that was all the way necessary. And he knows that. And so I don't I don't want to take away a player's aggressiveness, but it's one of those moments where it's hero a-hole. Like, that's what it is. It, <laughs> it's what? It, it's hero a-hole. That's what it is. That's okay, what, yeah. That's what coaches say. I I know, I'm just trying to understand it. I can't say the full term, but if you get it, then you're the hero and we're going to praise you. If you don't, then then when you come to the sideline, you're going to get MF'd. That's how it works. That is the reality of the National Football League. It's it's the slightest of margins, the slightest of, 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 I I guess, differential when Mm -hmm. it comes to your chances of being able to make a play for success for your team versus helping out the other team and making a negative play for your team. So in that situation, though, Earlier downs and distances, I don't know that it was necessary for Justin Jefferson to be aggressive. you got to find a way to protect the opportunity for points once you get in the red zone, especially against a team like Philadelphia, especially on the road. So, Smalls, I'm saying that the problem is we don't like the rule, right? Right, The solution in this case, correct me if I'm wrong, it was at the 31-yard line. I believe they had the ball down 10-7 in this spot. They give the ball back. The Eagles kick a field goal 13-7 games basically over, in essence, after that, right? So and if my, it wasn't over at that point, it was over when they got the sack fumble by Josh Sweat on yeah. the first possession for the Vikings in the second done. half. And that <laughs> defensive line is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Awesome. It reminded me of your defensive line did, with the did Giants. You, did back you in see Jalen Carla last night? Oh, Tackles for loss, quarterback hits. I mean, the guy is everywhere. Yeah, I mean, now you know why he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. No doubt about it. Two but games he landed in. in such a great place. Yes, because you never see great draft picks landing great on great teams. 100%. And the Eagles have built themselves, led by Howie Roseman, their general manager, to have multiple picks, and they're high up in the draft as a result. But my whole point is, put it back on the 31-yard line in that spot. Rule it an incompletion. So it stinks. You had a catch. You get inside the five-yard line. You're fumbling it out of bounds. So, okay, I'm sorry. Part of that, instead of the other team getting the ball without ever possessing it or a turnover on downs, you now get the ball back as an incompletion. That seems unbelievably reasonable, Versus what they do. It's crazy. And that's the other thing. Like, if the other team forces a fumble in the field of play and the ball goes out of bounds, it's not a turnover. Right. The team that possessed the ball gets to keep the ball. That's the part that doesn't make any sense at all. And you can't fumble the ball forward. So they're yeah. actually acknowledging a fumble forward because it's in the end zone. Yeah. That, that, it's, <laughs> right? It Think about that. Yeah, absolutely right. It yeah. is so dumb. It's, the dumb, it's, <laughs> it's the, actually it's driving the, me it's crazy. It's the dumbest rule. Like, I understand it if it's going backwards. Like, if you're in, if you're backed up in, in negative, minus territory, you end up fumbling the ball backwards or the ball goes out of the end zone. I get a safety. That makes sense because you literally can't go any further back. Correct. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting with the fans. Right, <laughs> But if you're in plus territory and you're making a play to go into the end zone and the ball gets fumbled out of bounds through the end zone, why does the other team get the ball? They quite literally didn't gain possession of the ball. 
it, the ball is literally going out of bounds. So it should stay with the team that's possessing the ball. Rule makes no sense. Absolutely. Awful. You shouldn't be penalized for being aggressive and going for it. Correct. Correct. But now. And, and every single rule is geared toward the offense in the National Football League anyway. That's another so that's thing, too. Like, why so do you want right. to have this you can't rule that penalizes forward. the offense? And you just can't fumble forward. You can't do it because if you can fumble forward, anybody that would be on a five-yard line would throw the ball towards the one-yard line to try to get the ball there. So they're actually giving you a forward fumble by way of giving – you can fumble backwards. So that's why the safety rule makes sense. You don't even have to justify it, CC. The rule is if I have the ball at the 30-yard line, I fumble it, and it goes back to the 25, I'm allowed to do that and regain possession. No doubt. I am not allowed to have the ball at the 30 and fumble it forward to the 32, yet for some reason if you're inside the five they allow you to fumble it forward just to give it to the other team without possession it makes absolutely zero sense all right there's more with this game because we had a little wide receiver mm, quarterback thing maybe oh we had beef there yeah. was beef there was uh, beef last night 888-SAY-ESPN 888-729-3776 that's a telephone number to be a part of the show if you want to jump in is this the worst rule in football We've said maybe the worst rule in all of sports from an on-field, on-ice, on-court perspective. But we saw the best-case scenario for this show last night, right? Kirk Cousins played well, and the Vikings lost. We will get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus... Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, all the great ESPN stations across the country, as well as SiriusXM Channel 80. Tune in for college football action tomorrow. It's Michelle Smallman's Illinois squad. Host Penn State. Coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and, of course, on the ESPN app. So uh, the rule is obviously a big topic of conversation today uh, in relation to that game because it was a turning point. The fumble forward out of the end zone. Justin Jefferson down 10-7. Eagles win. Don't play well on offense outside of the running game. DeAndre Swift was great. Um, Kirk Cousins actually has a really good game last night. And we've been talking about the idea, which is just funny, primetime Kirk Cousins check Primetime Jalen Hurts, eh, yet Hurts won and Cousins did not, which is the best case scenario for us because what we've been saying could be juicy this year around the NFL is the idea of Kirk Cousins plays really well, expiring contract, $20 million or so cap hit for the incoming team, we believe. We can double check on that. And maybe we have the rarity of all rarities. An in-season quarterback trade because Minnesota ain't that good this year. Yeah, and Minnesota's got to make a decision on where we're at with our program building 
can we justify playing a quarterback fifty plus million dollars a year and knowing Kirk Cousins he's gonna want that all guaranteed? Do you want to <laughs> be on the hook for that if you're Kowesi Adolfo Mensa, the new GM, or if you're head coach Kevin O'Connell in your second year? That's a huge decision that you'd have to make. So I don't think they're good enough from a talent standpoint as a team where they can invest that in Kirk Cousins, and that's what opens the door for this potentially to happen. If Minnesota falls out of it and there's no reason why there wouldn't be the possibility of that happening with their upcoming schedule, then you have to consider the possibility of them moving on and doing that because it just doesn't make sense to let Kirk Cousins walk out of the door after a season that's essentially a throwaway and a stepping stone until what you're going to do in 2024. They need to make a serious decision about Kirk Cousins if they fall out of this thing. Now, what I was saying about their upcoming schedule, they've got the L.A. Chargers in week three. Mm -hmm. On the road against the Carolina Panthers, back at home against the Kansas City Chiefs, on the road against the Chicago Bears, and then home against the San Francisco 49ers. They may only be one win. So at best, you're talking about one or two wins in there. So if you're two and five going into week eight before the trade deadline – why wouldn't you consider moving on from Kirk Cousins? To me, that just makes all the sense in the world. I agree. You, you had all of the luck last year in the one-score games. You had 11 wins on one-score games. Congratulations to you. You were ahead of schedule if you're Kevin O'Connell in your first year. But now is the year where you're coming back down to earth. You're regressing back to the mean. Mm-hmm. And you've got to look at your program with honest and sober eyes. And if you're doing that, you realize we're just not good enough, especially on the defensive side of the ball which is what should prompt you to reset the clock on your quarterback position when it comes to the money that you're paying out, go with a younger, cheaper option, and build out a really strong roster around that young signal caller that you're going to be developing for future years. It makes no sense for the Minnesota Vikings to hold on to Kirk Cousins if they're three or four games under 500 by the time we get to the trade deadline. I always try to think of this from a fan perspective, and I wonder how Vikings fans would feel if that scenario did actually play out. Because you're not 100% sold on Kirk Cousins as the answer. You know the age. You're not sure if he can get it done in prime time. But think about the state of the team right now. You won 13 games last year. The division is not all that scary. I know you're off to a rough start, but you do have – talent on this team it is a team that could potentially go on a run I know so far not so great but you're signaling to your fan base that you don't think you're good enough and you want to potentially restart the clock and you can't win in this league without a quarterback and there's a bunch of teams that would be clamoring for Kirk Cousins' services and if I'm a fan I don't know how I feel about that. what you just said is the wildest part about this because I can make an argument that Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback in the NFC North. Yes, of And course. last night he played like it. Everybody talks about primetime Kirk doesn't play well. I couldn't tell last night with his line. I mean, Kirk Cousins, what was he, 31 or 44, 364 yards and four tuds and no picks? <laughs> and this is a guy that got hit 10 times by that Eagles defensive front. Yeah. Kirk Cousins could put on. He can have performances like this. And if you're a quarterback needy team, ergo the Jets, a team that sees themselves as a quarterback away, why wouldn't you consider making a call to Minnesota and seeing – what they want for Kirk Cousins. Because now, if you're the Jets, you're not waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come back in 2024. You have Kirk Cousins in 2023, and that guy gives you a chance to not only get in the postseason, but go on a deep playoff run. So one thing about me, I love the trade machine. I love the hypothetical (laughs) trade. So let's play this out for a second. Let's pretend money works. Zach Wilson and a draft pick for Kirk Cousins. Who says no? 
if the two and five scenario is there, right? Oh, and two, they're not doing that. But if the two and five Vikings scenario that we just presented, that you just went through in the schedule, is there? Zach Wilson and a pick for Kirk Cousins. Who says no? Well, the Jets don't have a second round pick next year. Because, a pick, any pick. Well, you're not giving them a first round pick. No, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So I, I third. Mean, yeah, but if you're going to get a third round pick anyway, if he walks in free agency through the compensatory formula, so I don't know if that makes sense. But if you're the New York Jets. That's something that you absolutely consider. But they shouldn't be the only team on the list. We ran through the teams yesterday. There are about a dozen teams where Kirk Cousins would represent an upgrade over whatever they're doing now. Now, I don't know that those teams have the urgency to win in 2023, but there are a handful of teams in there that you could say, yeah, they probably should go after Kirk Cousins because they could probably do more. They could probably give themselves a better chance of getting to the playoffs. So this is a unique scenario. I don't know that we've ever seen – a quarterback of Kirk Cousins' ilk be traded in the middle of the season. But this could actually happen because there is no more guaranteed money on the Kirk Cousins deal. It's an expiring contract. So a team could trade a premium pick, a first or second rounder, and get Kirk Cousins and potentially not only salvage their season, but make something of their season. He has such an interesting career. He's a guy who constantly is dismissed, but he puts up the numbers. He's a guy who the teams that he's on doesn't think that he's the solution, yet he's desired elsewhere. He's yep. viewed as the solution externally. Yep. He's just one of those guys. I said it yesterday. He's an enigma. He's one of those guys whose career is an enigma. Can I throw out a scenario? Please. A Kirk Cousins reunion in Washington? New ownership? I mean, does Kirk Cousins not represent an upgrade from Sam Howell? I know the organization has been caping for Sam Howell. They believe in him. But Kirk Cousins, with those weapons, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas, and in the backfield, Brian Robinson Jr.? I don't know. They could do worse. I mean, again, you can point to several teams where you think Kirk Cousins could be the difference in them getting to the postseason versus them being on an outside looking in. And I think that's what makes this – so fascinating moving forward the next few weeks. All right, give us, because we'll get we'll continue to get into this, CeCe. Give us a minute, though, on Devon, uh, Devontae Smith had a big game. Huge A.J. Game. Brown did not for the Eagles last night. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, who have known each other forever. Everyone knows them to be close. They maybe were a little too close to each other yeah, last night they were on marking. the sidelines. What did you see from that quickly here? Well, I mean, Nick Sirianni was in the middle of it. They might as well get Michael Buffer and see if they wanted to get ready to rumble because he was the <laughs> one that announced that before the game. But, I mean... They have shown themselves to kind of get into little spats on the sidelines over the last couple of years and been able to smooth it over. Now, I know these two have some history. They've known each other for a really long time. But, I mean, after this spat, Jalen Hurts ends up throwing a touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. Now, it just so happens to get called back because of a holding penalty. But I'm not going to make too much of this. These two guys have gotten to that situation before and have been able to work past it. I think that's just the heat of the moment. That's what happens in competition. You know, tempers flare. But essentially, they're going to get back on the same page. This is one of the best wide receiver quarterback combinations in the entire league. Well, they're talking. Uh, well, before you go, Smalls, they're talking. But two coaches are talking in college. We're going to get to that because they are talking big time. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Hey, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know the word, so I just say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is an interesting back and forth that's happening right now. College game day is going to Colorado. What are you looking at me like that for? What, what is happening right now with the hat and the shades? What is happening? What are you doing? You're not treating me like a grown-up? No, I, I get, I, listen, man. I, listen, Jay Norvell just told you, head coach of the Colorado State Rams, Take your hat and your sunglasses off when you're addressing other grown folks. Well, okay. Didn't he tell you that? Well, let's yeah, say that. Isn't that, that the lesson that he wanted the whole country to know that his yeah. mama taught him? Cece, is this an indictment on us? I, I guess so. He, he, he doesn't treat us like adults. He doesn't have respect for us. I feel like that's what's happening 100%. right now. 100%. According what? to Jay Norvell. He's making it personal. He, he's absolutely making it personal. What? What just happened here? <laughs> Here's Jay Norvell, head coach of Colorado State. Learfield IMG is on his coach's show. He's getting ready for the biggest game in uh, his school's uh, season so far because Dion is going to be a part of it, not because he's going to be a part of it. Here he is uh, talking on his coach's show that he's basically tired of Dion Sanders. You know, we're excited. Our kids are really, you know, we had to do a bunch of ESPN videos, and it was great. I loved it. And, and uh, But our kids came out of those videos really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So, you know, they're not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter, okay? So let's go up there and play. And so I – that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. And so I don't mean to take over the show, but it's your show. I'm just tired of <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of all that stuff. It's just it's it's and I know everybody else is too. By the way, the dumbest comment may have been, I don't mean to take over the show. It's the Jay Norvell show. It literally is <laughs> it your is show. It is your show. Right. So then Dion responds. Let's get the Dion response here quickly okay, here, right, CC. Let's let's, so Dion hears about this. He's at practice. His cameras pick it up. Let's hear what Prime had to say about this. Beautiful day, ain't it? Yes, sir. I'm minding my own business, watching some film, trying to get ready, trying to get out here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts off, and do our job on Saturday. Yes, but when they give us ammunition, they done messed around and made it what? <laughs> it was just going to be a good game. They done messed around and made it. Personal. It was going to be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they a mess around and made it personal. Wow. <laughs> so, Jay Norvell, Dion, college game day. What, what's the point of this if you're Jay Norvell? Oh, I'd do anything for clout. You ain't heard that song before? I mean, how many people knew the head coach of Colorado State's name before these comments? We do now. We do now, but we didn't know it earlier in the week when he was complimentary of Dion. This is what he said on Monday. Just to start talking about Colorado, Dion Sanders has a lot of public critics. I'm not one of them, Jay Norvell said. I really respect all head coaches and the sacrifices that they've made to become head coaches. I appreciate the path they have to go to get there. 
That's what the man said on Monday, and then you turn around on Thursday and said, my mama taught me to take my hat and my sunglasses off when I talk to other adults. What the hell does that got to do with trying to win a football game? Not a damn thing. And if you Jay Norvell, that's what's going to save your job, not these public criticisms of Deion Sanders. You got a 3-10 and 10 record in the two years you've been the head coach of Colorado State. You've been an FBS coach for seven years, and you know what your record is? 36 and 36, the definition of average. So spend a little less time popping off at the mouth and more time diving into the X's and O's because you're going to need some special game plan in order to try to pull up the upset against the number 18-ranked Colorado Buffaloes this weekend. Oh, no, no. I hope Coach continues to pop off, CC, because this is so great for college football. It's it's great for our show, too. Isn't this so fun? It's great for our show. Coach Prime and – a matter, a short amount of time has made college football so fun. He's made it spicy. He has changed the game. This is so fun to watch. So many college coaches give you the regurgitated coach speak, or they don't want to be the headline. Coach mm-hmm. Prime is the headline without trying to even be the headline. He's, yeah. as he said, minding his own business. But I just imagine what Colorado's opposition must must feel like. I understand kind of where Coach Norvell is coming from, not with the sunglasses and the hat, because that's just being petty LaBelle. That's just you showing. That's ridiculousness. I always try to read the tea leaves, though, and be like, what are you really trying to tell me? And what I gather from this is that he's saying no one can cares about us. This is a game where we're 50% of the equation and all anybody wants to talk about is Coach Prime and Colorado, as they should, by the way. But think about it. We had Marcus Freeman on the show. And what was the first thing we asked him? What do you think about Deion Sanders? No doubt. What do you think about Coach Prime? And he had an answer for it. And he thought Coach Prime was great for college football. Of course. But But you know why nobody cares about Colorado State? Because Colorado State was 3-9 and nine last year, and they're off to an 0-1 start. Of course. It's uninspiring football. Of course. If you want us to care about your team, Play give, give us something to actually look at. Give us an entertainment product that wants to draw us in. Your team doesn't play good football. Colorado does. Shador Sanders is one of the best quarterbacks in the, in, in the entire nation. He's the front runner for the Heisman. And guess what? Another guy that's probably top five is Travis Hunter. He also plays for Colorado. So that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. But the thing that really throws me off, and I get what Jay Norvell is trying to do, the thing that really throws me off is the yo-yos that were clapping in the background when he says, yeah, my mama taught me to take my hat and my sunglasses off when I'm talking to adults. It feels like there are some dog whistles in there. And a lot of people don't like that Prime is as disruptive and that he's getting as much attention and that he's as successful as he is early on in his tender in the FBS ranks. And that's the part that dives into a, a, a territory that's uncomfortable for everybody. So, excellent point. Totally agree with you. And that's not Norvell. I want to be clear. I know what you're saying. It's, it's the crowd. No, it's not Norvell, it's but it crowd. is the crowd. Why, why are they reacting in the way that they're reacting? There, there is something there. Oh, totally agree. I think there's – see, my message, if I'm Jay Norvell, the head coach of Colorado State, I will invoke a weird comparison, but let's stick to the on-court part of this. You know how John Morant got noticed initially as a yeah. basketball player? Everyone came to see Zion Williamson – and they notice the other guy. My message, if I'm Jay Norvell, is everyone is here. College game day is there. McAfee is there. Stephen A. and Shannon are there. Drake might be there. Drake might be there. <laughs> Molly's there. Everyone's there for the other team. Make them notice us. Make them notice us. But I'll, I'll notice you if you're competitive. That's what I'm I don't, saying. Don't, don't make me try to notice you because of what you're saying. That's what I mean. Tom Coughley used to tell us this all the time. Talk is cheap. 
Well, that's talk. We're, we're talk agreeing. is cheap. Yeah, right, I mean, that's the thing. Totally. I, and here's the thing: context matters. This is a rivalry game, an in-state rivalry, and. I guess it's not really a rivalry when it's one-sided, but it is supposed to be an in-state rivalry. So that's why Jay Norvell is getting a little bit spicier as the week uh, goes on, as we get closer to the game. But you have to be aware of what you're saying and what you're putting out in the ether. And the fact that you're going to go along those lines about what your mama taught you versus what Prime's mama taught him and how one is supposed to be more in line with societal norms versus the other not being, I just feel like that's unfair and that's inappropriate. And right. that's, to me, where Jay Norvell crossed the line. I have no problem with him clout chasing in his own way. But there is a proper way to do things. And to me, this is unbecoming of somebody that wears the coaching hat that has the coaching title. So you guys don't take me seriously anyway. But do you, in all seriousness, do you take me less seriously? Because currently, for those on the radio side, for this entire Seven, eight-minute conversation. I've been wearing a hat and sunglasses. Yeah, I love the frames. I don't like the hat. Well, it's a Patriots hat. That's exactly. Why. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I'm saying it's also take, not a great That's why I can't hat. take you No, it's, it's whatever I had in my car. Yeah. I realized I forgot yeah. to bring one. I'm yeah. just I surprised had this you. I wish you had the Colorado hat, though. Yeah. Well, okay. Where's the prop department? Do we, <laughs> we have got, a we prop department? We got to get you the Colorado hat. We, okay, Honestly, yeah. I think I take you more yeah. seriously. Matter of fact, if they win this weekend, if they win this weekend, we should have the Colorado hats on deck for next week. I love that. Okay. Yeah, Co- yeah. And sunglasses. Yeah, we're jumping on the bandwagon. Why not? I'm in. I want to jump on right now. I don't yeah, even exa- need them to exactly. win. I mean, Coach Prime listen, scoot over. Listen, I'm after on a couple the more wins, they're going to turn Colorado's home games into HBCU homecoming. Oh, my <laughs> That's gosh. That's what it's going to be. But, like, it's going to be that type of party. But can you? But I kind of understand where Coach Norvell is coming from. I think he thought he was throwing fun shade, and it's become much more than that. And sometimes in the moment, you don't realize. He needs to be careful with his words, of yeah. course. But I think he – just imagine your game planning – you're trying to rile up your team to go out there in this rivalry game. The entire country is watching, and no one cares about you. No one cares about your team. No one cares about you as a coach. Everyone is asking you about Coach Prime. Everyone's asking you about Colorado. He even said, when the comments that you mentioned earlier in the week, that he was excited for Dan to get his opportunity. Yeah. He said, I had to wait a long time to get mine. Think about all of these coaches that grinded in the ranks, and I'm not taking anything away from Coach Prime and how he got there. He earned his spot, too. No but doubt. You, you have to feel a type of way though if you're a coach or a program and no one is paying attention to you no I'm not saying you don't have to feel a way but the best you can come up with is sunglasses and a hat that's <laughs> it, the best you got though I don't think it was calculated. no wonder your program sucks <laughs> ain't nobody ain't no kid gonna get excited you going into his living room and pitching him you know my mama taught me when you have sunglasses and a hat you take them off when you talk to adults Get the hell out of here! Every with that. Colorado player on the sideline needs to be wearing a hat and sunglasses yes, to start the game. You don't wear the helmet. No, no, no. You do it after the game. You do it after the game when you're shaking hands with the opposing you team. You put on the hat. You do, yeah. Yeah, you, 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 you don't do, it, you don't do anything before the game. Smart. You do it after Smart. the game. Dion, yeah. uh, Stephen A. suggested on first take that Dion, after he wins, takes the hat off, takes the sunglasses off, looks him in the eye, shakes his hand, and says, "Good game." Because, oh, it's going to be a good game. They do anything for the clout, Smalls. They do anything for the clout. All right, coming up. If the Bears lose on Sunday, is it too early to start second-guessing them trading away the number one pick overall in the NFL draft? We'll get to that next. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... 
doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. All eyes on me. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sirius XM80, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You heard there. Mark Silverman, Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN 1000. You'll hear more of him right now commenting on the Bears because of the fact they had an awful, I mean awful loss against the Green Bay Packers this weekend. And that's not a knock on the Packers. It's a knock on all the hype around the Bears going into this season and then had a bad loss against the Packers. And there are red flags right now around this football team. Mark Silverman, Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN 1000, was a guest on Greeny 10A to noon Eastern time here on ESPN Radio yesterday. And here's what Sylvie had to say. It's reminding me a lot of Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. This kid is ultra talented in Justin Fields. He's way more talented than Mitch, but I'm worried. I really am. He's got all the measurables. He can throw it. He's a great leader. He's a hard worker. He's a fantastic athlete. He can run the ball. I don't know if he processes the information quickly, and that was Mitch's problem. And that was in reaction to also Hembo on Greeny providing great statistical analysis about Justin Fields basically making his decision a half second late. Greeny then reacted to that yesterday. Justin Fields looks lost. Justin Fields has made no progress. I have no idea whether his destiny was or wasn't to be an all-time great quarterback, but I do not think it is overreacting to say every red flag you own, you should be raising right now in Chicago. Okay, so I think Mm. what we've all forgotten, and now we're going to start to remember, if Justin Fields does not perform well this weekend, is that the Bears traded the number one pick last year. We think Bryce Young, we think Carolina Panthers, they had the number one pick. They made a really early trade, right? Ryan Poles, the general manager of the uh, Chicago Bears, got the offer that he wanted early enough where it's like, all right, I'm just going to make this deal. And now we have to wonder whether or not if Justin Fields doesn't play well this week, we're going to start wondering, oh, did they make the wrong move? Now, CeCe, here's where I'm going with this. I believe, and you would know better than we would, that general managers look one and two years Ahead. Yeah. And I wonder if he said, he being polls, I like the 24 draft class better than the 23. So if Fields is not good, I'd rather have two picks in that one than the first pick in this one. That actually makes sense, having the draft capital to move up and down the board. So I'm with you on that one. But I do think it's a little bit too early to talk about Justin Fields not being the guy in Chicago. Now, here's the thing. I get that he didn't play well in the regular season opener, but it's the first time that he's working with this new supporting cast. There are a lot of new pieces on that Bears offense. And quite frankly, that Bears offensive line did not play up to expectations. I've highlighted what Braxton Jones, their second-year left tackle, did in that game. The guy accounted for four penalties, two false starts, two holding penalties. Those are absolutely drive killers. So any momentum that Justin Fields and that offense could have gained, any rhythm that they could have gotten into, got thwarted by penalties, self-inflicted wounds. 
Now, you did see the upside of George, Justin Fields, the touchdown that he threw to Darnell Mooney. That's an absolute dime in terms of being able to drop it in the bucket. Those are the types of throws that keep you coming back. But the things that bother me about Justin Fields is that when you see the layup completions, especially in between the numbers, when he hits his back foot, he's not letting it go. For whatever reason, there is some hesitancy. He doesn't trust it. And I think that's what Waddle is talking about when he says he's concerned about his ability to be able to process information. Now, another thing that makes it hard for young quarterbacks to process information is getting hit a hell of a lot. (laughs) Justin Fields is the most contacted quarterback since he's come into the league three years ago. So the Bears have tried to address it, tried to figure that out. He's in his second year with Luke Getze's system. All I'm simply saying is let's give it some time. Let's give it a sample size of about a half a season before we start talking about Justin Fields not being the quarterback and the Bears moving off of him and drafting a guy in 2024. Could not agree more. I am in no panic zone when it comes to Justin Fields. It was a bad loss. It was not the performance you want to see out of a guy who had this much much hype around him in the offseason and the preseason and who got DJ Moore. 3.1 yards, I think, per attempt on Justin Fields, you want to see him air it out more. That's all we talked about this offseason is him using the arm more because we know what he can do with his legs. But we know the talent that he has. It's just about putting it all together. So I'm not going to panic just yet. But if I'm in Chicago and I'm listening to Sylvie say that and I hear Justin Fields being compared to Mitch Trubisky, I probably want to drive my car off the road. Yeah, that's scary. That's a scary scary And I hate to hate on Trubisky because I think Trubisky was not as horrific as people thought. But at the same time, that's not the comp you want. They also have another issue. And I'll go back to Sylvie because you reported in the preseason that they were unhappy with the, with the play and the performance and the, and the work ethic of Chase Claypool, the wide receiver who they traded for. A second-round pick. second-round pick yeah. they traded for with Pittsburgh. And there's been all kinds of buzz. Could he be a healthy scratch this weekend yeah. and just be inactive? So and that, that's a major problem there. But I do think conceptually, I agree with both of you. I'm not writing off Justin Fields yet. But it actually, if you're going to, and I hate playing this out, but if you're going to write him off, it makes way more sense to write him off after this season than it did before this season from a financial perspective. And very early, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Tyler Van Dyke now looking good for Miami last night. Jordan Travis from Florida State. Shador Sanders. I don't know. I'm just... I don't know. You did the draft last year on ESPN Radio with Chris Carlin. I feel better about this year's crop of quarterbacks than I did last year. And if you look at the numerics on the money, on the, the, the dollar figures, his cap hit is $6 million for 24. His dead cap hit is $6 million. So th- And you don't have to pick up the fifth-year option. Yeah. You'd probably trade him away at and, that point. And you get something for Justin Fields. Correct. It's not as if it would be a fourth-round throwaway pick like the Cowboys got for Trey Lance. It would be something of more significant. And we're not saying they should do this. What we're no. saying is if you're going, if you're someone out there that thinks this guy ain't it, it still made sense to give him the opportunity this year, trade out of that, stockpile for the upcoming draft, and see what you could do. It's just as an organization – they are hoping this works. Yeah. But it makes more sense if it doesn't work for it to be next year than this year. No doubt about it. But here's the thing. If they are going to make the Justin Fields thing work, DJ Moore has got to have more than two targets. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like that, that, that's on the offensive coordinator to be able to scheme that up where we got shots down the field to DJ Moore. This guy's a big play waiting to happen. All you have to do is look at this highlight reel, go on YouTube. He's an unbelievable talent. So there's that part of it. 
But there's also the aspect of making sure you take advantage of Justin Fields' movement skills. Get him out on the perimeter. Give him uh, bootlegs. Get him a chance to use his legs as a threat toward the defense to open up opportunities downfield. Don't try to confine him to being a pocket passer right now if he's not ready to be. Take a page out of the Philadelphia Eagles, what they did in Nick Sirianni's first year with Jalen Hurts. If you look at Jalen Hurts' second year and you look at Justin Fields' second year, they're eerily similar in terms of the statistics and the measurables. I just think that this kid has a ton of potential. It's too early to give up on him. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.